All right, cool. All right. What Joe, up, buddy? How are you, sir? Doing awesome, man. Doing awesome. How about you? Good, good. Just finished up a, a, a Twitter Spaces with uh, Greg Osuri, a founder of uh, Akash, and yeah. those guys are gonna fucking blow up, dude. They are. They are. That project is is so poised for just an explosion. Because look, they're they are the alternative marketplace for GPUs, and, okay. and they're in testnet now for presenting GPUs, and GPUs are required for AI. And quick question: Are these the same GPUs that were the big mining GPUs early yeah. in crypto mining? Okay, got it. Yeah, but higher, uh, higher quality. Higher end. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And okay. you can't get them on the open market, but because everybody and their dog is buying them up and stockpiling because they know they're going to need more later, right? All the big AI companies, yep. all the big hosting companies. So what he provides, what Akash provides is the ability for all these idle processing sitting around to be available in a marketplace with a bidding process that actually drives the price down like 80, 85% over what they would pay to Amazon or Azure or somebody else. Because these people have invested millions and millions of dollars into these machines that they aren't, they don't need the capacity yet. Right. And so they can, they can make the capacity available for anybody that wants to do AI that wants to do heavy uh -huh. processing, et cetera. They're, I mean, they're, they're just going to, and, and around this, that's you know, interesting. Gonna, yeah, around yeah. this is going to end up being a marketplace of AI applications, of hosting applications, and their entire model is we are the chain and the infrastructure, and you pay with our token, but anybody can come in and build on this thing, right? So people can create all kinds of applications to 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 make use of the compute power. They have CPU and GPU and mm -hmm. everything else. Um, or build their own applications to uh, give people access to AI or do research or whatever. So it's, um, I, I think, they're really gonna blow up. Yeah, I think there's an I opportunity mean, there for funding yeah. projects related to that, yep. right? Exactly. Know? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's what I would think right away is like, go in, if you have all this excess processing power that you're, I guess, aggregating from, you know, it's not being used from, you know, other firms. I don't know if those firms are already on their platform, if they're already in their offering but you know to resell that um you might as well go ahead and drop funding and you know try to incubate some of these too because i think exactly. you're going to get some pretty interesting stuff yeah, um totally. yeah that's cool man so what can we how do we watch those twitter spaces after they happen so it's you can go to my wall and and play it it's recorded okay i actually recorded it on my desktop and i'm going to put it into the podcast feed and onto the website all right awesome so, yeah, because I definitely um, go ahead. No, I said I see a lot of, you know, again, back to an old analog. I mean, it just sounds like you're telling the story. And I'm thinking about early dot com days, and I'm thinking about when everything was ASPs, application service providers. You know, the cloud, yeah. but just a different, yeah. different way hosting. And I remember the hosting started up. I remember then there were all the server farms, and then you know you put a server, you put a you would put one of those server farms on top of a um, of a backbone node. Uh, there's that great one in downtown Miami, and then everybody comes and builds and launches stuff. I see the same thing that could happen in this space. Um, I am a little worried though about all the noise, you know, just all the AI chatter. But it seems like it's keeping up to me that 
It's not yeah, like getting oversold. Everybody in their dog, every startup on the planet is going to pivot to AI or launch an AI startup, right? Yeah. And it's just going to be just like .com. You know, and these VCs know it. They're investing. They're just fucking shotgun investing in anything that comes in the fucking door because they know they, they got to be in a hundred deals to get the, the couple that are going to be the, the, the trillion dollar deals. Right. Yep. And, yep. And, and that's just the model. And it's not going to change anytime in the near future. This is not one of those things where it's going to like burn out and all the money is going to go back into something else because this shit is not going in anywhere. It is going to be a part of our lives forever. So um, the, the investments are going to continue hot and furious, but all of the bullshit that's just somebody fucking slapping AI on the name of their existing startup, those are going to die. Right. And, and that's just yeah. the bottom line, you know, and look, I, look, um, people like, disagree with me. People agree about with me, what? but well, my prediction is that um, all like, Anybody that's investing solely in SaaS opportunities right now or applications of almost any kind, unless they're really highly specialized in vertical, they're going to die. All of the functionality that we need as humans, especially at a horizontal layer initially, is going to be sucked into AI models. And so we're not going to need specialized applications anymore for our CRM or our uh, Uh Excel spreadsheet or whatever, right? The AI will do that shit for us. So right now, my feeling is, is that kind of generalized business applications are dead men walking. I, I, I don't think they so, survive very long. That, that's interesting because I remember when we were implementing all this ERP around in the late 90s and you go in and these, and these were companies, you know, they've been around, these are like Fortune 100 type companies. They've been around a long time. They got just piles of IT debris just layered on top of each other. It's all hooked together with like duct tape and and so ERP guys come in and try to like move all that legacy data and everything over into the new application, but they never really, the old applications never go away. You know, they're still lurking back there. And this is what I'm getting at is what I think this is interesting because what you're saying, or, you know, I think what you're saying, probably a lot of people are saying it, is that, um, that now instead of it being like functional uh, uh, or horizontally oriented, um, like applications, like you said, CRM or remember people saw the HR and all that. Um, it's going to be like holistic on the whole organization. Yeah. And that it then is. it's going to make, and it'll make all the ERP stuff basically go away. Um, right. It kind of yeah, clean yeah, it because, out. That's interesting. Yeah. Because, well, because here's the thing, right? If you're an enterprise application, there are dozens, literally dozens of open source models available that you can implement in your enterprise. And there will be dozens of enterprise LLM AI providers that will make it available as a service, right? So you'll be able to train all of your data, all of your internal data on the AI. And then functional functionality, the shit that we do that says, hey, follow up on this sales call then, or hey, book this sales data here, or do the accounting monthly presentation here. We don't need that functionality anymore. We tell the AI, present this. We tell the AI, create this. Or the AI starts learning that we need this, right? And then the dashboards get built automatically. So we no longer need applications. They will they will for the most part die except for verticals. I did see a really powerful one uh, yesterday. Robert Scoble, who's who's kind of an old tech contact of mine, um, Mm -hmm. posted his psychiatrist 
um, is using a brand new AI system that takes notes of the entire session with him and notices him physically on the, from the video and makes notes about that, talks about all the things. And then at the end, summarizes everything that the psychiatrist would usually do and then offers other ways for treatment, um, other methodologies, things to think about next time, things to tell the patient to work on. And he posted the session up from his psychiatrist with the notes from the AI. And it was absolutely amazing. That's one niche that's not going to be sucked in right away. Healthcare, mental health, those kinds of things, there will be providers, but they won't be sucked into general AI, right? But yeah. But for the most part, everything else we do as normal humans, yeah, it's going, it's gone. Well, so some interesting things to think about is then, okay, so if now you have sort of big AIs running the enterprises, um, then, I hope people are thinking about how do we then layer in, you know, uh, digital currencies in the sense, or, you know, um, different blockchain applications that advances. Cause this, it seems like that, you know, crypto is built for, to function in these models in different ways, shapes and forms. So I think I'm really interested in companies doing that at this yeah, point. It really too. has some, it really has some amazing potential. Interestingly yeah. enough with, with Akash, we were discussing the fact that, they have this flood of AI developers looking for GPUs coming to them that have had no interaction with blockchain, no interaction with crypto whatsoever, right? Huh. And so he's enabling credit card payments and he's enabling stablecoin payments. But right now, if you want to book something in Akash, you're booking it with their token, right? But then yep. what happens is it's the education process that happens because now you have all these really high-end developers like, you know, AI developers are not like, uh, you know, creating app store templates, they, they are going, oh, wait, holy shit, this decentralizes compute power for me. It reduces the price and it, and it equalizes the playing field for me. And it's permissionless. I don't have to ask permission to use this or buy it. I don't have to get, go through a gatekeeper to get access to this power. And oh, I think one of the things that comes out of that is, is that a lot of people start going, oh, wait a minute, this, there is a use for this shit. Holy shit. Right. And so I think that, um, your thought here about, you know, uh, crypto being used to pay for it, et cetera. Well, what becomes a lot easier is it become easier to connect your bank account and give it permission and fucking do ACHs through AI, or does it become easier to have a stable coin or another token that's connected to your local personal AI that's able to send out payments for you or able to pay for yeah. you, right? right? So, I mean, it does make sense that this evolution could actually, that this ramp up of AI could actually ramp up crypto acceptance, at least on the, on the spending part, right? It may not be the, the financial applications yet, but, you know, it's the gateway drug. So Yeah, I mean, it is because you think about what a lot of these other companies are dealing with you know, like the organic, like food sourcers and stuff where they're essentially just basically tracking it, you know, where the inputs are coming from into some product or where the dye or something from what country. And they just to, to, to monitor, or I guess, certify that it's some type of, you know, good standard of some kind, I guess. Um, if there's tokens along those models, I mean, the information carry, um, you know, NFTs on each batch of, of input supply product, you know, there's all kinds of ways that I think that, you know, that is not getting implemented fast enough right now because humans still have to figure it out and still have to make the decisions in it. Right. 
and right. they don't know it. Like you just said, if all these people are coming to Kosh with, you know, looking for GPUs and they know nothing about crypto, I'm like, where are they coming from? Right. You know, well, I they just, I, they're doing searches for GPUs. Where can I find GPU? Right. Cause they, so they want to get into AI. They want to get yeah, into AI. They, basically. Well, yeah. they're, they're already AI researchers. They're AI developers. They just got funded $2 million, $5 million, $10 million. But, they barely have a budget for the GPUs that, and Amazon won't give them GPUs and Azure won't give them GPUs and Alibaba can't give them GPUs because they're holding them all. They're, they're yeah. enterprise customers that want them. Right. So the, here we come. They come flooding in. They're like, holy shit. Everybody and their dog now wants to be an AI startup. So what happens? They go looking. Yeah. That's why I think Akash is going to blow the fuck up. Because Yeah, no, I agree they, with that. I agree. I'm sorry. They, they will be the provider, man. They will. Uh, and Shizzy, I think, is big into Akash. So uh, he's probably a pretty happy camper to see this coming. Anyway, they got a lot of cool shit coming. They're in testnet for this GPU stuff. Uh, all this is coming. Niblet says... There will always be a Long Island iced tea blockchain in every disruption. Absolutely, dude. There'll be a million scams in this space. Uh, ERP, SAP, people oh. streaming such traumatic memories. Yes. Oh, my God. Fucking SAP. Holy shit. I oh, yeah. The never-ending implementation. Yeah, those implementations yeah. never stop. Niblets, yeah, I mean, it was a five-year fucking implementation that was supposed to be nine months and cost an extra $50 million. I mean, that was like yeah. the biggest scam in in. And luckily... Ever. It gets finished right around time for the new upgrade cycle. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. well, that one, oh yeah, that's a twenty-seven million now. So yeah. Niblet said cannabis seed to sales supply is a natural for this, but that industry is still basically a guy in a van. Business cultures need to catch up on the tech. Yeah, I I think what happens is is like so I know what's going to happen with OpenAI, right? But because um, uh, Sam Altman is also the founder of WorldCoin. You know that cheesy ass fucking blockchain that had the orbs that was scanning people's faces to prove identity? Um, that's his project. And that project is still advancing and ongoing. I can guarantee you that there will be a role for WorldCoin in OpenAI AI, right? There's going to be a transfer of funds available via that. And so he's signing up people left and right all over the world to join WorldCoin and, and get this his model of, of building a UBI. He built WorldCoin because he wanted a UBI because he knew that mm. his AI shit was going to destroy jobs, right? So, it, it, and I'm sure he wants to make money from it, but at the end of the day, that's probably going to be a part of the open AI model. But I got to tell you, um, yesterday I tweeted a tweet out, Salesforce is, is doing the smart thing. Salesforce is open sourcing all of their AI innovations. And why do they do that? right? Because the incentives align, right? We always talk about incentives in blockchain and DeFi. Who has the incentives? You know, what, what, what makes it work, not work, TradFi, whatever. Well, Salesforce is smart. Salesforce released yesterday a coding AI that beats all of the existing AIs in the markets in terms of performance and generating code for applications, right? Mm -hmm. They open sourced it, not because, well, maybe they are magnanimous and they're wonderful people and all that good shit. But, but the really reason for open sourcing it is, is AI improves the more people use it. So the more people contribute to the model and do work on the model and research on the model, the model gets better. And guess what? Then Salesforce now has a superior AI in their platform that allows people to deploy applications on Salesforce, right? So they're, they're, it's in their best interest to release this shit as open source. And so the bottom line of all of that is, is that Meta's releasing as open source. All of these big companies and small researchers are releasing their shit as open source 
So there is going to be a truly kind of decentralized nature to AI. And I, that to me gives me a lot of hope, right? I'm hoping yeah. that this means we won't have a concentration of power and data because there will be so many options for people to use. So I sure hope so. I mean, cause human nature is really to, uh, you know, conquer and take yep. and expand. I mean, that's from back, you know, single cell organisms all the way up to humans or whatever. Yep, absolutely. Um, maybe it can save us from ourselves. Yeah. Well, I, and again, I, the the you know, like I said, the incentives align. Um, your product can get better because you release it that way. So it's gonna yeah. be interesting. Uh, it's gonna be fun. Uh, OpenAI's customer service bot is ironically a complete garbage gopher server. <laughs> for those who <laughs> gopher. Uh, why not use GPT for this ES bot? That's insane that they're not. But I have a feeling it's just a matter of uh, time allocation for them. They just don't have the time to fucking do it, right? So um, real quickly, uh, Sean, yesterday, I'm going to put a link in the um, show notes, but yesterday we were talking about um, funding, leaving the space. Why can't I get this to... There we go. That's so weird. Uh, <clears throat> leaving the space. Sean had posted data in the Telegram channel. If you're not in our Telegram channel, t.me forward slash mission DeFi, t.me forward slash mission DeFi. Had some folks joining yesterday. I'm always excited to see more stuff coming in. Um, but this is the data showing the decline in crypto VC. Um, and then there's a discussion going on uh, in the in the Telegram channel about this and what it means. And, you know, Sean is basically saying, look, the bottom line is a lot of people have left the space. And I, I, I think it's impossible to argue against that. I think it's just a matter of um, is it just waiting on the sidelines or is the money coming out of exchanges or what? Right. So um, and I'm not sure I need to look at that data again because I'm, I didn't look at the source of the data. Uh, let's see. Source is PitchBook. As of February 13th, 2023. Oh, deal value versus deal count. Okay. So deals are not being closed. Doesn't necessarily mean that the VCs have taken their money and gone home, right? At the end of the day, they have partners who have invested expecting a return. And either they close the fund and return the money or they find other investments. So um, I also have a feeling a lot of them are going to pivot more and more to AI because um, everybody and their dog will want to be a part of it. But uh, anyway, uh, so yeah. I want to make sure everybody saw that because we discussed well, it yesterday. Yeah, let me add, add something to that too. Um, when you see that cycle of funding, it's actually a classic VC cycle because you see it runs up in early, late 20, early 21. And then you see a ton of money getting reinvested. There's a lot of new VCs, et cetera, at that yeah. point. And then of course you see the market start tailing off and you know deals are harder to find um, at, at size that are good. Um, but that money's still there. So right. I know I'm not disagreeing with the point that there's not a bunch of deals getting done, but I know for a fact that let's just say of company that's somewhere between 35 and 45 on the top 50 VCs for crypto. I know they're sitting on like $600 million in dry powder. I believe and I know guys at the top are sitting on billions. So to me, quality deals will still get funded. Yep. Um, I think it's just that it just shakes out all the bullshit, yeah, which is I, I totally not, not necessarily a bad thing. It's you know? a I very mean, good thing. Yeah. So, thing. so I look at it as kind of for markets to turn. And again, I'm not really talking just crypto here. There has to be like capitulation. Um, yep. You know, it really has to get where you're just like, fuck it, dump it all, you know? Um, and 
And once that happens, that's when all the flotsam gets cleared out. And I see that kind of happening because, you know, we see Sean brings up that point quite frequently that I don't know how many tokens are out there. What, 30,000, 300,000, yeah. whatever. But, you know, how many of those are actually completely worthless? Right. 80% maybe? I mean, is that too high? Okay. So, fair? Okay. So, you know, that wipes out about 200 and something billion dollars of the crypto market cap right there, at least. Um, somewhere in that range. So, to me, that has to all be like marked to market or, or eaten. Those losses have to. And then everybody's trained up better. The VCs are smarter. They know more to like, hey, maybe we should do some financial projections on this. Or, you know, what's that kid doing over there? What are all those clicks I'm hearing? What's, what video games he playing? You know, that kind of nonsense has to yeah. stop. Um, and so to me, I look at it as all good news. It's just painful. We always want everything to keep going up, but it just doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with you, buddy. That's that's spot on. Spot on. Um all right, let's see. Uh, Niblet says, ask GPT how to deploy GPT as the CS bot. It's no longer an excuse. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's a little more complex than that. I think they are, uh, they have to like train the model on the questions they're getting now, blah, blah, blah. But you're right. There really is no excuse. He said, I've been asking about this for weeks, knowing that money has left is not actionable. We need to know where it is going and why in order to act. Charts only tell a sliver of the story. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it would be helpful to kind of get better insights into you know, what's happening with the money. Yeah, one thing I just want to jump in on that real quick. There was a chart that Sean put up a couple of weeks ago, a few days, I can't remember, but we made the point that um, uh, global outbound from the exchanges, crypto, was roughly, you know, that graph was roughly on the same slope line, which means like, you know, correlated with uh, shrinkage in U.S. domestic or U.S. M1 supply, money supply, I believe it was M1. So, you know, we said, wow, that's weird because why would that happen? You know, because it's the global number. And so I guess what I'm kind of trying to get at is I think as rates go up and the Fed balance sheet contracts, what we see is, um, you know, the liquidity pools getting smaller, you know, the, right. the dollar pool out there. Right. And so I think what that kind of shows me um, is that somehow it's this, I don't want to say just disappearing, but the way the stuff comes off of the Fed balance sheet, there's no really money changes hand. The, the bond just expires. Okay. Right. And, and it, it just kind of goes away. So maybe just that contraction of say, what it looks to me like almost global M1, because if it's correlating with, with the exchanges or, you know, maybe it's all Americans running through Estonia and all these exchanges, I don't know. But it just seems to me that that might be where, why we're all having trouble figuring out where is it all going? Right. Um, nobody seem none of us seem to be able to figure that out. We're trying, but um, you know, it, it has to be something I think in that, in the economics or accounting arena, that's just taking liquidity off the balance sheets um, in some way. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. I don't know. But if anybody has any more ideas, obviously we'll talk about this a lot. <laughs> yeah. Shizzy said, I wouldn't say worth. If a pair of Crocs don't appeal you to, to you, don't doesn't mean they are worthless. I think that was on our previous. Oh, on all the tokens. On the tokens, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, I think there are some that um, – <clears throat> I think there's opportunities for some to be resuscitated at some point. So, <laughs> yeah. Did you see? But, what, what the, but the broader point was just collapsing into quality is not necessarily a bad thing. 
Um, because then all of us who are in the space another year, another two years, you know, we've seen more cycles. We can make more gut instinctual calls on things, knowing how, like, you know, a lot of the things like Pepe or whatever, I remember I was looking at it and of course I didn't do it because the gas fees were too high, but I realized that it spiked too high. And I'm like, this is a joke. It's not going to keep going. And, you know, sure enough, it didn't, but you know, order next, you know, I played that one and I played a couple other ones that I knew were going to peter out after, you know, a couple of weeks. So, you know, then they have to execute. So, you know, we just all keep learning more and more and more. I think there was to the broader point of just, you know, that, you know, stuff is just kind of disappearing (laughs) into like accounting ledger land and we can't quite figure it out, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I just think it's a thing that is going to bring more quality. It's just painful near term. True. Uh, did you see, oh, Niblet says, Sean did answer that some contraction is leverage unwinding, which won't show on M1. Oh, okay. Um, did you see the Evil Empire's numbers that they released yesterday? Tether? You know, that they everybody thinks they're the Evil Empire. Um, oh, no, they're the Evil one, Empire now? No, I didn't know it. I love it. Okay, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're, they're the Evil Empire. $1.48 right. billion in net profit in quarter one for a stable coin. Uh, yeah, I mean, sur- reserve surplus another record high of 2.44 billion. Um, so 2.44 billion over liabilities. Okay, that's good. Uh, they've wound, they've wound down their uh secured loans from 8.7 percent to 6.5 percent, and they're going to get that claiming they'll get that to zero. Um, they're leveraged their U.S. Treasury holdings at an all time high. Uh, 53 billion representing 64% of their total reserves. Uh, and it says if you were to rank all of the world's countries in orders of how many U.S. treasuries they own, Tether would be just under Mexico. Um, <laughs> I love it. You know, it does worry me a little bit, though. I wonder if they're holding all these U.S. securities now, I wonder if they're the, if, if they're the ones in buying all the, the, the 10-year paper that nobody wants that got like Silicon Valley Bank and everybody in trouble. I wonder... I'd like to see the aging on that paper <laughs> just yeah. to see if yeah. are they going to be Iceland for the, uh, you know, 2008 financial scandal where it all I got thought, dumped there. Yeah. I thought something, somebody said something about it being short term. I don't know. Uh, bank no deposits good. have been reviewed, reduced uh, by over 90%. So they've dropped from 5.3 billion in banks to 481 million in banks. Uh, wait, wait, does that, what does that mean? They're, they're cash deposits in banks. Yeah, they they they're moving it all into treasuries and shit because they don't want to be dependent on a, a bank collapsing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Plus, it'll get it'll keep the SEC and FinCEN off their ass because yeah, exactly. then they're not contain they're not contaminating the pure tradfi sector. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, pretty big numbers, and then uh, Sam Kazmian obviously uh, has an interest in where stablecoins end up, right? Um, he says that stablecoins are the third trillion dollar opportunity in crypto after BTC and ETH. Stablecoin issuers have near unlimited upside. Tether's only 9% to $1 trillion, but its size is truly size already. If you were to rank all the world's countries in order of U.S. treasuries they own, Tether would be just under Mexico. Tether reported higher Q1 profits than Netflix, Starbucks, Cash App, PayPal, and many S&P 500 corporations. Um, so basically what he's saying is, Stable coins are a good place to be, folks, um, well, and uh, and and that there is a model uh, for profits. Uh, and in his world, the yeah. profits 
funnel out to people that hold the governance tokens and the uh, other other things that they offer in their network. So, well, you know what's interesting is that you think about I don't know how long what's Tether been around since like 2016 or 17 something yeah, like that. I guess I don't know when it started, huh? That's interesting. So we're somewhere around there within a couple of years, let's say. And and you think about like Amazon and Google and all those companies and how long they ran. And Netflix, for that matter, losing bazillions of dollars. Yeah, I mean, I think Amazon was in the red for like twenty something years. Right, right. You know, and so now you take this come that, that was on the, I mean, God, two years ago or like twenty one, early twenty one. I mean, all the tether fud and everything that was out there it was always the bad story every day. Was yeah. was tether related, and and to think now, you know, five six years later. They're churning $6 billion in profits, which cash flow number is probably a lot higher than that. Um, whereas it took all these like giant tech companies decades to get there. I, I think it's an amazing story. Yeah, it really is. And look, uh, look, I think there was a lot of shady shit in the beginning. I think they realized they could end up in jail if they didn't fucking clean up their act. So I think they did. Um, and at the end of the day, I don't want a centralized stable coin. But yeah. it's dominating and it's taking share away from USDC right now. Um, so, you know, it's just something we have to think about and consider in, in everything we're doing. So you know, does USDT have a wallet tracking feature in it? Like the um, yeah, they can black like they USDC? Can, uh, blacklist wallets. Yeah. Yeah. They, okay. have they do it frequently. Uh, they they oh, release okay. a report every I think they release a report every quarter on how many blacklists they did based on law enforcement requests, et cetera. So uh, Bing chat, the uh, Bing's AI says that uh, USDT started in 2014. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So still less than 10 years. Exactly. And, exactly. you know, and this is, here's a, this is a great example. So now you look at Tether and you can actually build out a financial model and, and value it based off of, you know, cash flows, EBITDA, whatever you want to call it. It's a real business now. Yeah. That exactly. is generating profits and, you know, running. I mean, yep. it is a tech company yeah. um, of sorts. Yep. Um, Absolutely. But that's an amazing so more stories like this. Like, why is why isn't Stellar pro I mean, maybe they are, I don't know, but why isn't Stellar profitable? Why isn't Cardano profitable? Why aren't like these other ones that have been around since, you know, sixteen, you know, why aren't they generating enough? cash flow to you know grow in as a real company does i mean i think that's well, that's what i think a lot of those are going to get bloated out at this point i look I, I i mean we have to be fair the the usttt's primary advantage is centralized exchanges right so yeah. they that that is like the primary use case for usdt now that's not to say that they're not building other things and doing other things right so um and and they are being i I shouldn't say this because I haven't looked at the numbers recently. I think the numbers are picking up for them in DeFi, right? As well, right? People are the the problem is is we need actually decentralized stablecoins, and we don't have a lot of them. Um, and it's sad that Bean is kind of like fucking withering away because what we don't have, what we have now, is still dependency. We have regulatory uh, intervention that could occur with with USDT and USDC, and so it it still puts us in a vulnerable position, but you're right. The fact is, is that that Tether throughout all the shit they went through, kept operating, kept running, kept building, kept changing how they operated. And, you know, frankly, they got their shit together. 
and yeah. they provide a service that without them, this space would have been a fucking black hole. So um, again, I'm not, I would, I would much rather anything decentralized besides USDT. Yeah, I agree. USDT. But I'll but tell you, it is, a little day, bit, it, is, it is what it is. Yeah. But it is a little bit refreshing too. Like when you take some profits and then, you know, you don't have to go to BT. Well, I mean, I remember always having to go to BTC, you know, what, three, four years ago, I always did. And, right. you know, then you're like, you never quite feel safe. You know, there's now a psychological perception with, I guess, USDC and USDT that, you know, I don't mind leaving stuff. Now, I'm not on centralized exchanges right now, you know, um, Coinbase, but, um, you know, I'm comfortable leaving it in wallets. Yep. You know, I'm not, I don't worry about it. It's, it's one less thing to worry about. That's right. Shizzy says the guys at Tether should go and run some of those regional banks. <laughs> Hell yeah. He said, or buy regional banks for the banking licenses. Yeah, I don't think they'd ever get approved. I think the banks would lose their license if Tether bought them. Um, back to AI, but oh, also related to blockchain. Um, really fascinating article. I'm trying to reach out to this to this guy, Lewis, to get him on the show. He and some other researchers at 7X Ventures did an entire uh, really extensive, here it is, research paper on using uh, ZK proofs uh, within AI, right? So they go through and they talk about the problems of AI. I'm just going to give you one example, but this is a really well done paper. And plus it'll teach you a lot about how AI functions. So I'll put this in the show notes. Everybody recommend reading it. Um, but one of the big problems is trusting the data that was used for building the AI model, right? The LLM, right? The large language model. Because there's no, you know, they can say to you, ah, we, you know, we searched Wikipedia and we searched the web and we ingested X number of words and documents and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, there's no way to prove that you did that, right? And that would be the same, uh, it becomes even more important when you start looking at niche cases like healthcare or whatever. How do you attest that you've got the most recent data? How do you attest that the data was yours to use, that you were allowed to use it, right? Well, this is a really um, interesting article that gets into how uh, ZK proof can actually solve a lot of these problems. And there are even people doing computational shit related to AI on ZK. So really interesting. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this today, but um, I would encourage everyone to go read it um, because it gives you a use case. Uh, they're calling it ZKML, uh, ZK machine learning, but it gives a use case and a lot of different specific use cases within this article where um, ZKs could have a really big impact on um, AI. The other thing is, is so if you have that impact and you have things like a cost um, decentralizing GPU access, now, you know, we're back to that question you asked earlier, Joe, which is, is there a case to be made to, for crypto to be a part of this and, and to be providing things to it? And the really cool thing is, is these kind of infrastructure plays to me are, are really um, sexy in this regard, because um, I think they introduce people to the power of what's possible here without contaminating it with token sales or speculation. And, yeah. and then, then it opens their minds up, right? They're building these applications, they're building AI stuff, and then they go, oh, how am I going to get paid? And they go, wait a minute, I built this on a blockchain, or I did this on the blockchain, or I'm using GPA from a crypto marketplace. They start thinking about the ways they can utilize tokens and crypto within their business. And I, that to me is, is very promising. So. so remind me real quick, I always get these a little bit somewhat confused, but when you look at like ZK, I guess, versus optimistic rollups and, you know, how that, you know, is the data real 
question. Is this real data or not? And how it, you know, then somebody comes back and I guess says, yeah, it's real data or something does. I'm thinking how, you know, an optimistic being, I guess it just assumes that the data is real until somebody disproves it two or three steps down the line or something. Yeah. I don't know the mechanics of how it functions, but I do know that um, it, it, yes, it's a, it's, it's so, optimistic assumes it's correct until it's not. And uh, ZK actually proves it. it is my right. Generic so, so, so yeah. So what I'm getting at is, so we're taking that data and then that data is going into, I guess the chat module piece, the LLM or something how that data then is presented or verified or validated before I guess it goes into the AI engine or is that, is it, does it fit better? Is it like the key fit in the lock better at that point? Is it a better match than say optimistic or rollups? Um, I think there's something really technical in there and that's, I just don't know it. So I'm just, I'm not, think, yeah. I'm not saying that you have to know it. I just think there's no, a, I don't. some like latch in there that makes a lot of sense probably. So I recommend everybody take a look deeper at this because there might be something you know, one of those integral things about how, you know, two things. One, uh, you know, how the data gets into the AI module, but also when we talk about the data economy and, you know, we talk about the genomic data a lot, but, you know, that right. the real precursor to that was all of our browsing data, you know, all of our Silicon Valley data that gets monetized that, that we created. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if there's a way to then have that data that the ZK thing is validating going into the AI module, if there's some way to like, you know, uh, broadly speaking, like digital rights management kind of thing on that data or ownership of that data, depending on who it's coming from, if there's a way to monetize that too, that uh, would be pretty is, interesting. And this yeah. is actually going to become a really big issue, right? And, and you know, look, all of them, OpenAI, everybody is operating the same way that Airbnb and Uber and Lyft operated, which is plow forward, get enough users so that the fucking regulators don't kill them and lawsuits don't kill them. Because at the end of the day, all of the data that we're using in open AI is data and, and information that somebody else created, right? That's right. true of the art that gets created. It's being based on art that real artists have created. That's true of the data and the information and the writings that are in the, the machine learning model that allows us to, to use it to tell us what to do or how to write something or whatever. There are going to be some really serious intellectual property issues that come up and there will be models for compensating these people because they're not going to get away with it forever. Right. Eventually somebody's going to say that's mine. Um, and there are actually a lot of technology developments being done on for artists and writers, et cetera, to be able to uh, somehow watermark. It's not technically a watermark, yeah. but, but watermark their creations so that if it shows up in a, an algorithm and an AI model, then it can uh, charge for it, right? Or whatever. So it's going to be a big issue. This data piece is a big issue. Um, really fascinating for me. This is a really long piece, but really fascinating for me to see um, how some of the tech that I didn't think we could actually use what we're doing here can actually be utilized specifically around AI and machine learning models, how people are even doing AI compute on chain because they want a record of what they've done. So really cool stuff. I, I do recommend everybody take a, a breeze through that. Yeah, so. that sounds really good. Uh, I'm going to just link to this, but uh, Adam Cochran, one of my favorites on uh, Twitter, basically does this beautiful five tweet thread slamming the fuck out of uh, the SEC. Um, and and 
basing it on the fact that uh, so I haven't seen the response yet to Coinbase. I'll read it tonight. We'll talk about it maybe Thursday. But the SEC did respond to Coinbase. Um, basically, what I've the gist of what I get is they're saying, "Fuck you, we're going to keep um, regulating via enforcement." Is essentially what I heard they're saying. But I haven't read it yet. Um, and basically, what he's saying is. Um, that the SEC claimed in their response that uh, there is no need, they don't need to respond. And what he's saying is, here's everybody in the federal government that has actually clarified, regula given regulatory clearance, 2013 through 2015, FinCEN, IRS, FEC, EBA, GO, uh, G Government Accounting Office, and the yeah. CFTC have all done specific rulings and regulatory approaches specific to the use case that is crypto. So... Um, Good piece. Adam always does great shit. You should yeah. be following if you're not. But uh, anyway. Uh, oh, just my my monthly rant uh, to DeFi founders. Stop fucking using Linktree. Please. You have a website. You have a fucking website. You can put your links on your website while still explaining the benefits of your protocol or product to people who visit you instead of sending them to an ugly ass list of links on somebody else's domain where you're probably going to lose them because they're only going to click once to see what you've got. You're not showing yes. what you got. So yeah. please stop fucking using link trees. Don't be an idiot. Uh, oh, I just want to bring this up. So I sent in uh, some USDC to Coinbase yesterday to transfer out and I did it on the Polygon network. Uh, yeah. Like four hours later, my money hadn't shown up, but the Polygon network showed that the transaction was successful and had completed. So I contacted Coinbase and they said, um, the lady was like, oh, well, we're having some problems here. We're working on wallet. Uh, we don't have a timeline for when it'll work. So Yeah, we're on operation draining the till right now. <laughs> so I went to, well, so I went to their status page and I recommend anybody that doesn't know it. Most technical companies have a, a status page where you can go check the status of their functions, of their servers, and et cetera. And there's a there's a status that that they're having problem with Polygon, Bitcoin Cash, and uh, XLM, right? Well, I look at the the Polygon one. It's been going for two days as of yesterday, right? And I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe, just maybe, when someone goes to get the wallet address for a deposit, you let them know that you can't figure out how to fucking make deposits work right now, and you'll have to get back to them, right? So they use something yeah. else. You know, my I, my money was an emergency, so I wasn't like panicked over it, but I was just kind of like, what the fuck? Right. So anyway, uh, think about that when you're building your products. Uh, make sure you're communicating everything you can. So the love fest is over between you and Brian Armstrong. No, no, I still I, I still like, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a I'm not a I don't I don't hold a lot of adoration for Brian, but uh, I do in respect what he's built and what he's doing. Uh, let's see. Euphoric says, this is exactly where I've been focusing a lot of my research and theories on recently. Great to hear you guys covering it. By the way, everybody, uh, if you're not in the community, join the community. Uh, Euphoric has posted a really cool concept around DAO management and AI. Um, he did hear that we were talking about MakerDAO's efforts in that space yesterday. But this is the exact kind of conversations I really want to see happen in the community. And I really appreciate yeah. you posting that, dude. Thank you so much. I hope we can get some engagement going around that. I love that you're doing the research around it and, and would love to learn more about wh what you learn 
if you want to come on the show and talk about it, that would be fun too. So just let us know. Feel free to reach out. Uh, Niblet says Polygon is responsive customer support where you can post tickets and get responses back. No gopher bots, no bullshit discord, actual customer service for humans. I love Polygon. Yeah, they are really good about that. I remember like three years ago, they already had that in place. I had an issue with the wallet, something with the bridge or something. And I actually called and there was a fucking human there that answered my question, which was just shocking. So Jizzy says, OKX shut down my account for no KYC. Now I'm forced to use Coinbase, sadly. Yeah. Um, I'm still using Coinbase and Binance US, but I'm a little nervous about Binance US. So, um, go ahead, Joe. But no, I was going to say, um, Shizzy, there's a couple other ones out there that I think you could still use that don't. I don't think XT.com requires KYC. Um, ah. I used that a couple of years ago, and it was you know just moved in, bought something, moved out. It was my you know Chinese uh, pork pig play or whatever using blockchain oh, technology. Yeah, 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 yeah. Peg X was the token. Yeah, it was uh, it vaporized. But the but the the point is that there are other ones out there. I think. Um, uh, uh, Nicholas reminded us about Trade Ogre that Sean brought up. That's right. Yeah, Trade Ogre. And you know what's interesting? I was looking at Trade Ogre, and you know, all a lot of interesting coins on there. Lots of pairs. Uh, BTC, Monero pairs. I mean, it was really interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, definitely worth some research over there. That's for sure. Um, Ethereum validators post merge have earned 46 million in staking rewards and the record, the rewards have hit a record 8.6% for, uh, being a validator staking on, uh, Ethereum right now. Uh, and that was in the first week in May, uh, say they're basically citing the meme coin craze as pushing it up, generating more fees, giving them more money, uh, for being validators. But you know, it's cool. 24,997 ether in the week, representing a 40% increase over the previous week's income of $33 million. Oh, that was $46 million in a week uh, earned. Uh, and that's wow. uh, above the previous week at $33 million. Um, that's ba basically they're tracing the data back to pay page, driving the prices and gas fees up, which means that then validators earn more money. So uh, you're at an 8.72% staking earning. So keep launching those those uh, meme coins, guys. Please. Yeah, if we could somehow combine ETH meme coins and BTC ordinals into some grand scheme of oh yeah, that'd be fucking awesome looping strategy. Yeah. Um, that would be the ultimate. One. I mean, but when I see like when I saw Pepe going, I'm like, oh shit, here we go. When I see yeah. stuff like this, running, you know you're at the end of the cycle. <laughs> I mean, or you know, you're. I don't know what to say. The end of the cycle, but you know you're staring into something. Yeah, because exactly. people are looking for action. Yep, and they're looking for volatility, and um, and all of a sudden here comes this thing. Yep. Um, but you know those don't last. I mean, I know everybody goes, oh, but look at Doge. I'm like, yeah, but would you really buy Doge now? No. I don't, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I would have bought it at point, you know, eight zeros and a one on the right, you know, if I could go back in time, but you could do that with a lot of tokens. Well, so why I'm, not I'm go to one? I'm still hmm? on a bit of a stack of doge that uh, I bought for the kids a while back that's earned some money. So it's nice. Well, I mean, my point is that it's never probably it's got a long shot of turning into a business that generates cash flow and reports earnings. Like say, right. you know, we talked about tether earlier. Exactly. And so that's why I try to pick, projects that actually the underlying business model makes sense and has a path to some kind of i don't know tech future um where it's doing something you know because i see all the financial protocols and you know they're all going to best ones are going to win basically 
and yep. get aggregated into giant financial plays. And, you know, and that's how that wins. I mean, the um, other ones, like, you know, all the different uh, DEXs out there with yield farms, I mean, that's dead man walking to me. I mean, that that that's just going to get gutted. But, sure. you know, things like this and things like, um, you know, Tether and, and other, you know, models where they can generate cash flow, those are the ones that come out of the cycle at the end, you know, in two years or one and a half years or whatever we're talking about, you know, doing okay. But I don't know if the meme coins, I mean, you know, Doge obviously way ahead of everybody, but I don't think Pepe coin is going to be around then. Um, you know, I don't think the, those little, the games are going to be around. It's kind of like Snow Dog and, you know, I mean, oh, God, we haven't talked about them in ages, but, you know, just vaporized, obviously. Not ohm, but I'm saying the other ones. Yeah, so, I know what you mean. Yeah. So well, they're almost like meme coins um, in the yeah, sense exactly. that it was like, hey, it was a fun experiment, but, you know, thanks for playing. So, you know, that's always the, <laughs> that's always the hard part here because um, yeah. we want the action. If we, you got to sort of always figure out, are you a trader or are you an, an T-R-A-D-E-R or are you an investor? It is yeah. hard to be an investor in this space. Just, you know, where you just forget about it. It is very hard um, because you want to, you know, if you don't forget about it, you go make 400% return in two hours. You're like, yeah, this is what I love about crypto. Um, so to me, I think that's what's always hard for me is figure out what I am at that point, you know. And I think a lot of the content that Sean puts up, you talk about, I talk about, niblets, fizzy, you know, not leaving anybody out. Um, it all helps you have a broader perspective on things. And figure Absolutely. out where your balance is. So, absolutely. No, I love my it. words that of wisdom. I love your look. Those were those were very wise words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing. Um, I'm done, Joe. That's all I got for today. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think. Look, I saw one thing today before we go about the FDIC blaming the signature bank collapse. I think it was signature. It was either SVB or signature. One of those two on um, on crypto. So, you know, let's, let's try to talk about that on Thursday too. I mean, obviously they're going to blame it on something, but it just seems so weird that, um, you know, the, everybody's using crypto as the excuse for that stuff. When, you know, again, we just had a great show talking about all the great things happening or all yep. the positive developments happening. And yet here we go, here comes, you know, miss 1985 who's going to blame it all on crypto um the bank well we all know what the real problem was there is that exactly they got fucked up on the paper situation the bonds when feds raised rates they didn't keep their eye on the ball they effed it up and then yeah, a stampede of panic was caused management yeah that's it it wasn't crypto so to me i'm like it just shows that there's a big fear out there um i think within the tradfi world the regulatory world of getting uh disrupted which is you know what did i lose you not which is a good thing for which is a good thing for us. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, again, just keep learning. Don't risk the whole stack, no matter what you're doing. You know, be in it for the long haul, and don't. Um, you know, it's not. I mean, some people get lucky, but you're really trying to think about where's this going to be in 2035. Yeah. At this point, and trying yeah. to position yourself so that at 2035 hits, you know, you are after retired. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, thanks everybody for joining us today. Uh, the uh, spaces I did will be in the podcast feed. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, on the website, missiondefi.com. If you haven't joined our community yet, we have a great little community of people that are sharing and, and just 
you know, we got big thinkers in there, Joe. And that's what I love is that, is, is that it's people that are really examining and doing things like euphoric, doing the research on DAOs and AI and how that can function and how those can improve. I mean, that's the kind of shit you want to see. And there's just some really smart people that listen to us. I still haven't figured out why, but I'm glad they're here. So, um, a uh, t.me forward slash mission defi t.me forward slash mission defi is how you join the community love seeing new folks come in when you come in please go to the introduce yourself channel and tell us about yourself tell us why you're here tell us about how you found the show tell us what you like tell us what you hate tell us what you're doing in crypto what part of the world you're from whatever you're comfortable with we love seeing that stuff it's a lot of fun to learn about everybody and and their thoughts and then dive into the channels and uh Give us your thoughts on the conversations that are happening or start a new one where we're, you're welcome to do that. It's a free and open marketplace of ideas. Uh, thank you, Niblets. Thank you, Shizzy. Thank you, Euphoric, for joining the conversation today. We appreciate you guys being here. We love and appreciate everybody that listens. Um, we'll be back on Thursday for Sean Day. Yay! Uh, looking, looking forward to that as usual. He has not given me a sneak peek of the topics for discussion this week, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, see what that's all about. Um, uh, Euphoric said it takes a genius to recognize genius. Man, that's nice, Euphoric. Thank you. Um, so, where do we have one of those? Where do we have one yeah, of those? He's talking exclusively <laughs> about me, I think. I know, I know, ah, I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please just take a minute to rate and review us. It really helps us uh, boost our profile in the uh, feed. And the same is true on YouTube. Please click the little bell, give us a thumbs up, and uh, make sure you're subscribed so you get alerted when new episodes come out. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you Thursday. Appreciate you being here. And ha Joe, have a great afternoon. You too, buddy. And thanks, everyone, for being here. Always a good time. Um, I know, Brad, you did interview Ralph from um... – uh, Casper I did. Uh, Labs yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He exactly. said it was a great idea. He really enjoyed really meeting you. Yeah, really yeah. good time. It went really long. I got to so, submit it to that. I think I'm probably going to get that. I'd like to get that out Friday, but I'm probably going to end up Monday with everything on my work plate, my plate this sure. week, but I'll, I'll let you know. Well, yeah, you're going to be raging in Winwood at all those like uh, after yeah, parties. I did, sub I did submit. I did submit on there. I haven't heard back yet, but I did submit. Oh, good. So we'll see. I'll, I'll follow up with them. I've been getting deluged with stuff from them, so it's going to be a crazy cool. week. But um, yeah, no, uh, everybody, check it out. It, it, Brad will have it up in the weekend. But Casper Labs or Casper <laughs> CSPR, it's you know enterprise focused, Rust, um, um, you know, not EVM. So it's another one going after the enterprise market and great yeah. sharp guys been around for a while, five, six, seven years, I think based in Switzerland. So yeah, um, check them out. Really? All right. We had a really good chat. Enjoyed chatting with him. Cool. All right, guys. Have a good right, one. Bye-bye. Talk Take to care. all. Cheers.